the podcast of Lifehouse Church Adelaide. We hope that this message inspires you. To find out more about our church, our locations, or our teams, head to lifehouse.global. Now, enjoy this message from one of our amazing teams. Now, there's one thing about church, always leave room for the unexpected. <laughs> Anything can happen in church at any time. You could be like Carol and get asked to come up and pray all of a sudden, couldn't you, Carol? A video could play behind you when you're not expecting a video to play. Anything could happen. I just encourage you, just have, a, just have a bit of an expectation in your spirit to say, God, you could speak to me today. God, I could walk out of here different to the way I came in. You know, this series we're talking about right now is called And. And it's talking about the reality of what it means to follow Jesus and how that works in our lives. And so what I've actually done, I wasn't planning on doing this, but what I'm going to do is over the next two weeks, just because if I'm notorious for one thing, it's having way too much content and not enough time to be able to say what I need to say. And so what I'm going to do is this week, I'm going to talk about two topics, one half of it this week and the other half of it next week. And, and that and I really want to encourage us over the next two weeks to be leaning in, because I'm going to be talking about uh, how, what it means to serve the God of Monday and what it means to serve the God of Sunday. Now again, I'm not saying they're different gods, but I'm telling you there are mindsets that exist in people's lives where if we're not careful, we live in the extremes of this and we, we put a lot of eggs and all our energy into the God of Monday. That is our personal devotion, our personal life, the things that we do throughout the week. But there's the other side of this coin, which is the God of Sunday, which is atmospheres and services and moments like these. And some people put all their eggs into this basket and go, well, I've just got to get to church on Sunday. Sunday will fix all my problems. Sunday will make it all better. But the reality is that, that God actually designed us to be both in community and personally committed. Did you know that? God has called you to be in community and to be personally committed. That it's not an or, but an and. That the actual effective Christian life we are called to live is found in the idea that we serve God on both Sunday and on Monday. In other words, our personal devotion, we clearly know that's something that we need to commit to. And our gathering together, our community, that's also important. And they play uh, unique parts. And this is what I want to challenge us with today is talking about what the unique roles of each of these functions are. Because sometimes we try to make something do what it was never supposed to do. We try to get that area. So for example, let me, let me give you a really practical example. You know, there are many of us in our past, not, not maybe now, but there's many of us in our past who have come to the idea that we put a few too many kilos on over the winter months. And in our head, we say the best thing we can do to lose weight is to go to the gym, Correct. Now, how many of us have ever signed up to a gym membership because we've gained a few kilos, because we've done all that? And that's not a bad thing, but the reality is no amount of working out will replace your eating habits. And for many of us, we've tried to run on treadmills or, or lift some weights and do all that, but we still want to eat the three pizzas for dinner on that night. And so one of the realities is, and I need you to understand this, is, is for example, going to the gym is not primarily about losing weight. It's about growing strength and building muscle. If you want to lose weight, it's primarily about eating. Now, this is not a, a plug for nutrition or anything like that, but I, but I need you to see it because what happens is in church, it's a similar thing. We're expecting public gatherings to do things they were never designed to do, and we're putting all our energy towards that, or we're putting all our energy towards this personal devotion, expecting that to solve everything, and it doesn't solve anything because God never designed us to ever live those two things apart. They're always supposed to be an and. 
In the same way you should exercise and eat better, in the same way you need to have a devotion life, you need to have a personal faith, you need your Monday to Friday to experience God and grow in your relationship with Him, but you still need to be a part of the gathering. And so we want to talk about that today. Um, There's a whole bunch of negatives that happen when people go to the extremes. You know, when we go to the extreme of just the devotion, it's just me and God. It's just me. I can't tell you the amount of people that have said to me, oh, Tim, I love God. I just won't go to church. I'm not involved in church. I'm not interested in that. It's just me and God. And I feel for them because they're missing out on the whole, one whole section of our faith that is a crucial part, the Bible says, to our life and our journey. And what the problem is, is that when you have that mindset to the extreme, what it does is forces you to start to believe that there isn't any sort of unique gifting. There isn't different people and anointings on people's lives. And we think everyone has the same of everything. But the reality is that's not true. But what happens is, oh, well, I can just worship God at home. Then you're missing aspects of the body of Christ. He never said, you're the body. He said, we're the body. And it's in the connectiveness of that. And if you're not careful, as much as we all love our hand, the hand is only as good as the rest of the body. And so for you and I, we've got to understand that side. But the other side is true as well. When we don't have a personal faith, when we don't spend time with God throughout the week, when we don't have that devotion in our life, you know what happens? We start to idolize church. We start to idolize leaders. We start to pretend that they're God and they almost become God for us because we have no substance outside of a Sunday. And so we're so obsessed with what's going to be said on a Sunday that that becomes that. And then, of course, what happens is idolization builds up and God is trying to speak to you personally as well as he's trying to speak to us corporately. And so I want to challenge you, it's not one or the other, it's both. And so today I'm going to talk just about the God of Monday. Why is it God wants us to spend time with Him? Have you ever thought about that? Why is it God wants us to spend time with Him? Why is it He he wants us to have a personal relationship? Why is it that, that we've got these devotions and we've got the Word of God and we've got worship and we've got prayer times and all this? Why is it that we want to have this as an integral part of our life and what does it do for us and so I'm going to talk about three areas that happens when you grow and develop your devotion life now number one it does not get you into heaven having a good prayer life or a good devotion life is not your ticket into heaven it's not something that 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 stops you being a bad person but there are things that are grown and developed in your personal life that will never grow or be developed most likely in a public setting, alone. There are so many things that occur. And I want to just begin with this first little thought. You know, for many of us, for many of us in the room, our personal devotion brings clarity to our walk. It brings clarity to our walk. Like I'm speaking right now to the room, and we've got a journey as a church, but but you've got stuff going on in your life. You've got situations incurring in your life. And again, I'm not talking about the good or bad. We can talk about that. I'm talking about the things that aren't good or bad. The things where you're not sure, should I go left or should I go right? Should I make this decision? Should I not? Should I stay in my job or should I leave my job? You know, these, see some of these questions are not so much about good or bad. They're just about, well, I'm not sure what the best next step was. You know, I want to challenge us in the room today that one of the greatest things that we can do is by growing our personal relationship and spending devotion and spending time, it makes room for God to actually speak in to the day-to-day situations occurring in our life. He won't speak about everything, 
but he can speak about some things. So for example, many, many years ago, many years ago, uh, when I was running the youth group and things were happening, I was sitting in my lounge room one day and and I'd like to think I was watching a sermon, but I can't confirm or deny what I was doing in my lounge. All I remember was I was sitting in the lounge and the TV was on. So I'm going to assume I was being super spiritual. I may have been playing my PlayStation. I can't remember. But, but I remember this part of it. I was sitting in my room and because I've developed a level of a personal devotion, I can still get better at it. But because I had it, I was aware of knowing when the Holy Spirit was speaking to me despite what was going on. And I remember like yesterday, I was sitting in that room and I felt to send this young guy a text message. Now, some of you heard this story, but many of you never heard this, but it's important to understand it's not right or wrong. You need to send that person a text message. And I'm sitting in the lounge room and I remember my phone being in the kitchen. And I don't know why I was in the kitchen, but I remember my phone being, and I'm going, oh man, I've got to get up. I've got to walk to the kitchen to get my phone. Anyone had one of these moments of God, oh my gosh, Pray for that person. They're on the other side of the room right now. And, and so but I felt the Holy Spirit say, send this text message, young person. And then all these thoughts are running through my head. Should I, should I not? Should I, should I not? And I'm thinking, it's not wrong. I'm not a bad person for not sending it. I'm not, I'm not a good person for sending it. It seems dumb to me. It seems trivial to me. But I just felt this nudge because of my, per- I just felt it was important. And so I got up and I thought, I don't even know what I'm going to say to this person. And I wrote in the text message, something along the lines of, hey, just wondering how you're going. Now, for me, it was just a response to the Holy Spirit. Now, I didn't know that on the other end was a a young guy about to commit suicide. And as I send that text, he is thinking about it, and a phone call pops up, a message pops up and says, hey, how are you doing? Because he had just prayed, God, if you really want me to keep doing this, send me a message. Send me a sign. Let me know. And a boom, a text message comes up from the pastor that he only met a few weeks earlier. You know, church, you need to have a personal devotional life because he's trying to speak to you in your workplaces. He's trying to speak to you into your families. He's trying to speak into the thing that's going on in your, in your family life. That's going on. He wants to just give you these little nudges, these little words, these little thoughts, and it's not going to happen all the time. I don't walk around as an oracle of God. Oh, God says this. God says that. God says put this shirt on. God said do this. God said wear flamingo socks, although they do look good. But, but he doesn't do that. But I'm telling you, there are moments in life where I've just got to stop and I've got to respond to what he's saying, but it comes out of a person. I know his voice. It's one thing to hear his voice in a crowd. It's another thing to hear it in the busyness of your life. When you're driving along and you're thinking, I should stop and do that, or text that person, or ring that person, or, or make this response. Or do, like, can, I, can I challenge us? Let me show you one example of Jesus doing this, because this is a crazy story. So in Mark 1, we see this story where Jesus had just done all these miracles and, and, and things were blowing up ministry-wise. But in Mark 1, 35 to 39, it says this, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Everyone say isolated. He went, in other words, by himself. So if Jesus needs prayer time by himself, I don't know what excuse we can carry. If Jesus needs some isolated time, then so do we. And it says, and listen to this, to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. So let me just paint the picture. I'll finish it in a second. Let me paint this picture. You got Jesus going, hey, I'm in this place. Miracles are happening, but I need some time just to to sense what you want to do, Father, in this next season. And so he goes away and prays in isolation 
All of a sudden, the disciples are coming. Why are they coming? Because the crowd is building, because the ministry is happening, because stuff is occurring, and they're expecting Jesus to come in and start doing stuff, heal more people, do more miracles, do more signs, make things happen. These are all good things. That's what they were expecting to happen. They thought, we better go get the guy, because if the guy comes in, then things can start happening. But listen to what Jesus says. This is is profound. So we've got ministry building, people getting healed, good things happening. Jesus had this moment of isolated prayer where he's just with the Father, worshipping, praying, dwelling, whatever it might have been. And it says this, but Jesus replied, said, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, we must go into other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching the synagogues and casting out demons. Now, we just skip by that, but this is profound. Jesus already had a captive audience. He had it all set up for him. He could have built the ministry and done that, but something in his spirit said, you know what, I can't stop just here. And he felt this, you've got to go to more places, do more things. So he leaves this crowd, this moment to keep ministering him going on. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that Jesus was following those nudges all the way along because he eventually goes to the cross and the cross is the place where all of humanity can be saved. But imagine if he stopped at one town and said, that's enough for me. And that's not a bad thing. It's not wrong that he ministered to that town, loved those people, cared for those people. But I'm telling you right now, there are things in your life that are happening and God's going to say, I know it's good right now. I know it's nice right now. I know you can see it right now, but I'm going to start nudging you and prompting you of things that are yet to come. I'm going to shift you or move you or change you. Um, for those who don't know, when, when we became Lifehouse Church, that story was not a story of logical, let's make sense, let's work it all out. It was me sitting on the corner of that step, one-on-one, and Richard rang me, and I knew straight away in my spirit, this is where God's saying. I just knew. And in fact... I, Hand on heart, I know I'm a Pentecostal pastor and we exaggerate everything and that all happens, I get it. But you can check with Lindy and Keith, I was in a meeting with them that day when, when that phone rang and I literally had said, we've made our plans, we're going this way and one drop of the Holy Spirit and everything changed. You know, what about your life? What about your life? What about your family? What about your work? What about that business you want to start? What about that thing you want to do? What about that ministry you're thinking? Like, can I challenge you? You need to grow and develop your personal prayer life, not of a religious obligation, not so you tick a box, not so you feel better about yourself, because he's trying to speak to you into your very situations. He's trying to speak to you into that co-worker. He's trying to speak to you into that moment. He's trying to speak to you into your wife or your husband. He's trying to give you these things. And I'm telling you right now, if you do not have a personal walk, a personal devotion with him, him yourself, what's going to happen is you're going to fail to hear or respond to those moments. Again, I don't have them all the time. They're few and far between. But I'm telling you, my devotion, my prayer life, spending time with God regularly and consistency allows Him to speak when He wants to speak. I love that song we sang just a few moments ago, I will make room for you. When's the last time you said, God, just speak into anything? God, just speak to me, challenge me. Move in my life. Is there anything you want to change? Anything you want to say? So number one, we see our personal devotion, uh, our personal devotion uh, brings clarity to our walk. Brings clarity to our walk. Number two, very important, it brings correction to our thinking. 
You know, one of the things I've observed or noticed when it comes to the faith journey, when it comes to Christianity, is we all come into this thing with a preconceived idea of what we can and can't do based on other people's opinions. Our upbringing, our family, our parents, the church we used to go to. You know, some of you in this room here right now, you used to go to Catholic church or a very conservative church. And if you're not careful, there's all these thought patterns running through the back of your mind, framing who God is, how God works, what God does, how He's going to move, how He's not going to move, how He's going to speak to you, how He's not going to speak to you. Some of you in the room still believe, I am the voice of God for your life. And that's just not true. But some of you have been brought up with that. Maybe you grew up in the Catholic community where the Pope was the one. Well, I just don't believe that there is a one. I believe Jesus is the one. He makes a way. He can speak to you. He can reveal to you. But you've got to be careful because your thinking has all these things that come in. I'm going to read one little story because I think this is just, I think the most beautiful story of the Holy Spirit working in someone's very, very traditional conservative viewpoint. So we've got this guy, Peter. Who, who grows up a Jewish boy, who understands how it works, has these entrenched deep beliefs, has a radical encounter with Jesus, undeniable, denies him, Jesus loves him. But there's this wrestle inside Peter to do with the Gentiles and how they should be involved because he still has some Jewish stuff in him where he says the Jews are God's people. The Israelites are God's people. Everyone else is bad. These are these people. And so then he has this beautiful vision. We find it in Acts 10 where actually God deals personally with his thinking. And now, some of you won't pick up on this, but I need you to hear it. God shatters Peter's thinking in one encounter, in one moment, one personal dream that he has. Let's let's, let's read this here. We're going to read verses 9 and 11 and 13 and 15. The next day is Cornelius' messages were nearly in town. So Cornelius obviously was not a Jewish person, and so God going, hey, I've got to get Peter in the right headspace. Peter went up to the flat roof to pray. Again, Peter goes to a place to pray. And in that personal devotion, in that personal moment, God does something. It was about noon and he was hungry, but while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance or a sleep. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by the four corners. And the voice said to him, Peter, get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, he declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws declared impure or unclean. But the voice said, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Literally in this moment, it was animals was the imagery. And God says to him, I get it. History tells you, you never eat these animals. History has said, you never do this. Your Jewish tradition said this could never occur. But I'm telling you right now, Peter, I need you to get a new thought pattern in your life. That if I have stamped something, if I have brought something, if I have done something, what I say is clean is clean. The cleanliness and uncleanliness was defined by God. Originally, God decided what was clean and what was unclean. He had a reason for it. And so what was happening was Peter was wrestling through this idea of how do I let these non-Jewish people into our community? How do I let them in without becoming unclean? And God shatters those years, those hundreds of years of tradition in a moment and says, don't you dare say something that is clean is unclean. If I say it's clean, it's clean. 
And I need you to understand that because you may not have a big sheet moment and a trance or a big dream. But I'm telling you, just like Peter, you've got things in your life where your thinking is limiting the ability for God to work and move in your life. How God can redeem, how God can save, how God can work, how God can move, what God could say, what He couldn't say, what He could do. And again, I'm not after ripping apart church tradition. I'm all for church tradition. But what I am going to deal with is your personal thought patterns, your personal thinking, your personal upbringing, and challenge it because it has to align with the Word of God and what He says, not what something said to you 50 years ago or 20 years ago. What occurred as a child does not necessarily mean that is true. You need the Holy Spirit to come in and speak and where does he do that in our personal life i can't tell you as much as i fight it how many times god has told me to say sorry to someone when it wasn't my fault because my thinking says i apologize for that which i know i've done wrong but god seems to work in people that even have got hurt or pain that it's not your fault like Like if God is willing to go to the cross for us despite the fact we've done nothing for him, it doesn't leave me a lot of room to hold stuff against other people, does it? And so I've had to allow the Holy Spirit numerous times to deal, to confront, to challenge my thinking, how someone is or isn't, what may be or what may not be. And the problem is you try to wait for just a Sunday to sort it all out and it just doesn't happen. I'm telling you, in that quiet place, in that devotion, in that moment, in your Monday to Friday, in those days where you're opening the Word, what happens? He starts to challenge the way you think. Every person in this room is carrying a level of preconceived thinking, limiting God and how He can work in your life. Every one of us in this room have got something. I challenge you to let the Holy Spirit speak into it. I mean, Peter was a good man. He was building the church. He just preached to thousands of people and yet theologically had a whole aspect that he needed to learn. Think about it. A whole thing he had to learn. Even though there were people that were coming in and that were finding Jesus already that weren't Jewish people. Even though things were occurring, there was something happening where he had to deal with his mindset. And for every person in the room, there'll be mindsets that God wants to challenge you and to deal with in your life. Even just right now, we sang just, I can't even remember what song it was now, but we sang something about um, the Father. I, can't, I just stuck out, I just, I just remember singing that lyric about how Father either is good or it's who he is, or I can't remember what it was, but there's something about a father. And, and even in that moment right now, some of you have got a misconception of what a father is. And you need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in your personal devotion. Your, would you help me to understand a true father? Would you help me to experience a true father? Because we've all got fathers that have let us down. We've all got fathers that have done things, but some of us have had really, really rough father, fathering experiences. And so we're actually missing out on whole aspects of God because our Father wasn't good to us. You know, maybe it's that. Maybe it's a church experience and leadership. Maybe it's something that happened in a marriage. Maybe it's something that's occurred in a friendship. Maybe it was a job that didn't go, a business that didn't start, whatever it might be. Can I just challenge you today in the room to really, really allow Him to deal with your thinking.
So number one, he helps us with our walk. Number two, he challenges with our thinking. And number three, I think this one is the one I want every person to, to write out, to study, to think about. But personal devotion is the place where, where he develops our character. It's the place where he develops our character. If I have one observation of the present church condition that I think I'd love everyone in this church to know, is your public ministry is an evidence of your character. It's an evidence of his character, God's. So when God moves and someone gets healed and something happens, if all right now God's speaking to you and, and, and it's challenging you and, and it's helping you, it's not me and my character that's the reason why he can do that. It's because of his and his character. He loves you. He cares for you. He's using me and I'm his vessel. But the reality is you, you cannot verify my character by my public performance. And yet as churches, we've gotten so obsessed in some ways with our ministry, our public display is the evidence of a private and personal character. But the reality is you can't link those two because they, they just don't work that way because every one of us is broken and we don't know where the line is. We don't know where the seed is. We don't know when does someone able, when, when is their character good enough? And I know we've got tests for leadership and all of those things that exist, but I want to challenge you today to really start to believe that it's only in the quiet place. Will your character be refined? Will your character be strengthened? Will your character be developed? Don't, don't think it's when you get a sermon one day, that that's why, or when you get a ministry one day, that's why. It's in the private place. It says this in Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. Point out anything in me that offends you and leads me along the path of everlasting life. Now, let me be very clear here. When I need to pray this prayer and you pray, it's not, hey, can the church members affirm me? Can the church members validate me? When someone says God's doing something good, that means God, that means that my, my heart is right. No, it doesn't. That just means God's desire is to move. But what I need to do is get before the Holy Spirit personally, and He is the one that searches my heart. He is the one that checks my motives. He is the one that challenges my agenda. He's, I can do this stuff and still not have that stuff sorted out. And I know it because I, I can see history. I can see it. It's evident that it's not the public ministry that it confirms it. But I'm telling you right now, I will be held accountable for my personal character. And so will you. Jesus will not, stand, I will not stand before him one day. And he goes, well, Tim, I mean, you had some bad thoughts, but at least the church was big. Oh, Tim, I know you're not perfect. He's going to say, Tim, your life, you as a person, your thoughts, your behaviors, your actions, what you did, that character that reflected me in the stuff that no one sees, in the stuff that no one knows, in the moments where it's not on stage and there's, those moments are so important. Thank you so much for tuning in to that amazing message from our team here at Lifehouse Church in Adelaide. To find out more or to submit a prayer request or connect with us as a church, simply head to lifehouse.global. God bless.